Welcome to Advocation Change It Up, a podcast series hosted by Dr. Karen Lillard, a professor at the USF College of Public Health and director of the Activist Lab. Hello and welcome to Advocation Change It Up, the podcast series of the University of South Florida College of Public Health Activist Lab. I'm Dr. Karen Liller, a distinguished university health professor and director of the Activist Lab, and I'm joined by one of our Activist Lab student advisory board members, Amadeo Brandon. Hi, Amadeo. Hello, everyone. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Great. The Activist Lab at the college prepares our students to be exemplary advocates and leaders in public health. And if you just Google us at our website, you'll see all the educational programs we do, we have boot camps, seminars, we do research on a variety of public health topics, and advocacy and work to assure students have practice experiences in the community at the state and national levels. This podcast involves talking with public health leaders and advocates whose work has led to great improvements in public health. We'll be talking in each podcast with a guest on a particular public health issue, and we'll end each podcast by asking how we as the community can advocate for change. But before we begin, I must add, the views expressed reflect those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of the University of South Florida. Today, we'll be talking with our guests, Dr. Robert Karch and Dr. Claudia Pervanta, on a very important public health issue, especially this time of year, drowning prevention in children. But first, I would like to provide brief bios of our guests. Dr. Robert Karch has over two decades of experience in the medical field and extensive public health and administrative experience. Before becoming the director of the Florida Department of Health for Orange County, Dr. Karch served as the deputy secretary and deputy state health officer for children's medical services at the Florida Department of Health. He's an associate professor of pediatrics at the University of Central Florida College of Medicine, where he directed the medical nutrition curriculum. He serves on the Florida State Health Improvement Plan, or what we call SHIP, Advisory Committee, and is a co-chair of the SHIP Injury, Safety, and Violence Priority Area Workgroup, of which I am a part of. Dr. Claudia Provanta is a professor and social marketing concentration lead in the College of Public Health at USF. She oversees the Florida Prevention Research Center, which conducts social marketing research on topics such as the national promotion of the COVID-19 vaccine to minority audiences, vaping prevention in young adults, reducing disparities in cancer, and in the case of our topic today, finding new ways to prevent young children from drowning in Florida. So those are great bios. Welcome to our guests. May I call you Rob and Claudia? Of course. Sure. Very good. Thank you. But first, for the listeners, before we hear from our guests, let's discuss the data. CDC reports that yearly there are 4,000 fatal unintentional drownings in the United States and 8,000 non-fatal drownings. We know that for every child under 18 who dies from drowning, another seven receive emergency department care for non-fatal drowning. But what is drowning? Drowning is the process of experiencing respiratory impairment, from submersion or immersion in liquid. However, it is not always fatal. There are non-fatal drownings, and that happens when a person does survive a drowning incident and has a range of outcomes, from no injuries to very serious injuries such as brain damage or permanent disability. Sadly, children between the ages of one to four have the highest drowning rates, 
and most of those drownings in that age group happen in swimming pools. In fact, fatal drowning is the leading cause of death for children ages 1 to 4 in the United States and the second leading cause of unintentional injury death for children 5 to 14 behind motor vehicle crashes. Most people who drown are male, and we do see disparities. Drowning death rates, for example, for American Indian or Alaska Native people ages 29 and younger are two times higher than the rates for white people. Drowning death rates for black individuals are 1.5 times higher than the rates for whites, and disparities are highest among black children ages 5 to 9 and 10 to 14. In fact, in swimming pools, black children ages 10 to 14 drown at rates nearly eight times higher than for white children. And people with seizure disorders or other medical conditions have higher drowning rates. These conditions might be autism or problems with the heart. So how can we prevent these drownings? That's what we're going to talk about today. And some of the methods that have been used or discussed have, first of all, been swim lessons, which we're going to talk about. The American Academy of Pediatrics has changed their stance a bit on this for the age for swim lessons now being between the ages of one to four. We'll talk about the lack of close supervision for children, which is critical, and importantly, proper pool fencing. Proper pool fencing can prevent young children from gaining access to a pool area without caregivers' awareness. And in fact, what we promote is four-sided isolation fencing, or fencing that separates the pool from the house and the yard. That can reduce a child's risk of drowning by 83% compared to property fencing, or a fence that just separates the pool uh, from the property area. So, Rob and Claudia. First of all, let's start with Rob. Can you tell us how the state of Florida is involved with these drowning prevention efforts with the State Health Improvement Plan and how USF and Claudia and her group became involved? Sure. Good morning and thanks for having me. Absolutely. I, I just wanted to uh, open by saying in 2019, one of my pediatric colleagues and friends uh, lost her daughter, a 13-month-old no, toddler, uh, to drowning. Uh, and that's really when I uh, became quite interested in this uh, issue. Uh, shortly after that, I joined the, the Florida Department of Health at Children's Medical Services. And within uh, CMS, uh, there is a, a program called the Child Abuse Death Review, or CADR. And the, the prime responsibility of CADR is to look at uh, child fatalities, uh, study them carefully, uh, looking for trends, and, and really with the aim of developing uh, uh, tools, prevention tools, to prevent these senseless deaths from mm -hmm. happening in the future. Uh, and so we, uh, among cases reviewed by the CADR, drowning is the second most common cause of death uh, among uh, children uh, whose cases are reviewed by the CADR after uh, infant sleep-related uh, death. And so we really uh, sought to develop recommendations, uh, taking all the data from around the state and the local CADRs, uh, and we uh, pushed uh, and were successful in gaining funding from the Florida legislature uh, in the 2022 uh, legislative session uh, to fund initiatives around uh, drowning prevention and infant uh, uh, safe sleep. Uh, and so uh, 
we also uh, sought to incorporate uh, uh, water safety as uh, an initiative within the state health improvement plan, as mm -hmm. you said, the SHIP, uh, and have developed goals around uh, drowning prevention and infant uh, uh, safe sleep uh, in the state health improvement plan. Uh, as you said, drownings are preventable. Mm -hmm. uh, and and yes. as you also said, uh, drowning is a leading cause of death among all children in Florida, That's but right. it's the leading cause of death among children one to four years of age. In fact, in 2021, 86% of the drowning-related fatalities among children were among children less than four years of age. Mm -hmm. And the most common factors leading to drowning was ineffective barriers, right. pool fencing, right. and inadequate adult supervision. Mm -hmm. So we really, in our efforts uh, in uh, keeping kids safe from drowning at the state level, we're really focusing on these layers of protection, adequate barriers of protection, mm -hmm. adequate adult supervision, making sure that everyone knows CPR and promoting high quality swim classes uh, uh, for children. These are the barriers of protection. Uh, sadly, uh, as of yesterday, uh, there have been 50 uh, child uh, drowning related fatalities in the state of Florida in 2023. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, uh, we are uh, on track to exceed uh, the number of uh, drowning fatalities uh, as compared to last year. And July is such a terrible month for this. There's right? a seasonality There's, uh, to yes. it. There's, uh, mm -hmm. There are drowning fatalities all year round in Florida. We have access to right. uh, uh, water everywhere and, and good weather, but there is a seasonality between yes. April and August really is our peak. Yes. And uh, can you address how you involved USF with your efforts and Claudia's team? Absolutely. So at Children's Medical Services, uh, when we began looking at this, uh, I've known of uh, USF College of Public Health's long history mm -hmm. uh, in, uh, in public health and uh, just a, a superb uh, social marketing uh, program, uh, well-known. Uh, and, and so I've always wanted to work with uh, USF, uh, and this seemed like an ideal project to involve students, uh, to involve uh, uh, the College of Public Health, uh, uh, and, and so uh, we reached out to uh, Claudia and her team to really uh, help study this issue uh, and develop a social marketing campaign around water safety here in Florida. And we were, the goal was to strike a balance between mm -hmm. promoting all the fun activities, water activities right. uh, that we can engage in as Floridians and uh, uh, tourists coming to our state to enjoy our, our outdoor uh, uh, resources, but also uh, highlighting the dangers that, that water poses and uh, water safety. Uh, among for parents and, and caregivers of children. Mm -hmm. Very good. Claudia, you want to talk about the campaign and what was done? All right. So we brought in a much larger group of stakeholders than we normally think of when we're concerned with a child falling into a pool and drowning. And we said, if we look back in time, 
-hmm. How do we prevent this from happening? And we don't think only about the last few seconds when that child falls into the pool. What can we put in place as barriers, and how do we make sure those barriers are there? And in order to do that, we thought about the people who actually install the fencing, who sell the fencing, people who sell pools, people who sell pool supplies. We thought about the real estate agent who's going to sell you the home. And if you can kind of imagine the whole scene unwinding in your head of that child being able to get out of the house and onto the pool deck and fall into the pool, what we tried to do is bring in every single individual who could possibly play a role in making sure an effective barrier was there. And to our delight, we found that the entire industry wanted to take part in this. They saw themselves as how they could be prevention effective in preventing child drowning. And so that has been the primary mm-hmm. goal of our social marketing campaign, mm-hmm. has been to establish this awareness in the broader community and make them essentially health education agents who come into your home on a fairly regular basis. Right. Your pool cleaning person is there probably every week. Mm-hmm. And if we can give them materials to leave behind along with that little checklist that they shocked your pool water, uh-huh. we thought, well, isn't that great? And so we tried to make make it even in the right format that would make it easy for them just to leave it on the door hanger if that they had been there. Mm-hmm. And it's reminding parents, you know, make sure that the fence is locked, make mm-hmm. sure that the gates are closed. In addition to materials that we created ourselves, we also had materials that the Department of Health had previously been piloting. And these included some nice clings that go onto your sliding glass doors mm-hmm. that go out to the pool deck. Right. And they ask parents to write in the name so that it says, this door protects, and you write in the name of your child. Just another little way to remind parents, keep that door locked, Mm -hmm. keep it closed tight. So that's part of our effort. Of course, the other effort is trying to ever remind the busy parent that if the kid's not within arm's reach and they are about that age, Where Mm -hmm. are they? And I'm very sensitive to this because I have two grandchildren under the age of four right now. And I know that my 18-month-old, if I am not really able to grab her right like that, she's going to fall down like every other second. And of course, that's how children learn. Mm -hmm. But we don't want them to learn by falling in the pool. Absolutely. But at the same time, the real campaign that I would do if I could is I would show parents with the children duct taped to their legs and arms or duct taped to their back because that's what parents would like, right? They would like to have that kid strapped on and not able to get away, but they can't do it all the time, 24-7. So that's why we're trying to bring in others to the circle to try to make them even a broader circle of protection around that child. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, our primary slogan, if you want to say, for the campaign is prevent which includes all those barriers and making sure that you have the fences and the gates locked, et cetera, et cetera. Prepare, which is ensuring that once a child is of age, and I guess there's some controversy around this, that they start getting good quality swim lessons. And then protect, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, protect your child at all times. Mm -hmm. And if you can't be there, make sure somebody else is there watching your child. That's great. Um, What is the name of the campaign? Like, What should people look for? Because there's a name for it, right? When they might see commercial or they might see uh, on the radio, I've heard it on several spots. 
Well, we're calling it Celebrate Water Safely. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure how much that name will be getting out there. But the idea is, yes, we love our water in Florida. We love to play in our water, but we have to be safe around it. Very good. Thank you. We're going to come back to you about what the future looks like for the campaign also. Amadeo, questions? Uh, Yes. So one of my questions is... What uh, roles can community stakeholders play in these newer initiatives and campaigns for drowning prevention? Well, I think that uh, convening sessions like you have been doing here at USF uh, of community stakeholders to raise awareness, number one, uh, uh, to be creative. Uh, For instance, uh, out of these sessions have come initiatives geared towards short-term rental property companies uh, to ensure that uh, when a family rents a short-term rental property, uh, they're aware Mm -hmm. of potential dangers. And the short-term rental property company provides information to uh, uh, prospective uh, renters on the safety concerns uh, and and how to, you know, uh, enjoy uh, resources like a swimming pool on the property safely. Now, that's come out of uh, these community sessions that you've been holding. Uh, so as an example, uh, that that's one way. Anything how community can get involved? We'll talk more about this as the podcast goes along. Too. We have a couple of things going on right now. Um, one of them sounds not like the kind of thing you normally think of as public health intervention, but the Florida Association of Building Inspectors has created continuing education using our materials so Mm -hmm. that they're making sure that every Florida building inspector has that checklist that we created mm-hmm. for them as a tool to make sure that that's all in place when they're inspecting either you know during a sale of a home or for any other reason that they're called in to look at a home. Uh, similarly, the Real Estate Agency Network has also created continuing education for their agents. Oh, that's so wonderful. like I'm saying, these are things that I think public health doesn't normally say, oh, that's a public health intervention, yeah. but actually it is. We're also working with BayCare, which is a major hospital network mm-hmm. here. Yes, it is. And they are taking our materials and looking them over. They're probably going to revise them, put their own logos on them, and mm-hmm, give them sure. out in every pediatric office. And of course, the Y, the Children's Board, we have so many partners that want to take these materials and use them, give them out to parents, and just get everybody talking about it, get it to be more of a buzz around town. Right. And so what does the future look like for the campaign, uh, for what uh, the state's going to do? What, what, what should we see? What should we see this summer and into the future? Well, we've started with uh, really focusing on the top eight counties uh, in the state uh, with regard to uh, drowning fatality count number, Uh, really focusing on distributing resources to the local CADR offices around the state uh, in those uh, uh, high count areas. Uh, Afterwards, uh, the initiative will spread Mm -hmm. to uh, the rest of the state and and other areas. Excellent. Excellent. So, you know, this is a, such a difficult situation. I have to tell you, I've worked in this area myself for many, many years to prevent children from drowning. Um, so we have the activist lab here. We have students. We have information about advocacy we provide every day. How can we 
change this for the future? What should we be advocating for? Is there a message or one message? And this is why um, Claudia's work, I think, is so important because as I've talked with her, her work is some of the first that we've done in Florida, I believe, on a real social marketing approach to this problem. And not just prevention, not just health promotion, not just health education, but but how can academia and the community work together? And, and what should our message be? Most drownings in children occur when the child was not expected to be around water. That's right. And so really promoting those uh, initiatives that, that, again, create barriers, uh, alarms, fences uh, to protect toddlers primarily from wandering into bodies of water like swimming pools uh, when they're not expected to be there. That's, I think, first and, and foremost. Uh, we should be... Uh, uh, Advocates can promote locally uh, barriers around retention in storm ponds. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm we glad you mentioned that. We really talked about that, but mm -hmm. it's an important uh, uh, source uh, area where children drowned uh, storm ponds. We have a lot of them in Florida. Uh, and so talking to community leaders about uh, barriers. They don't have to be chain link fences. Mm -hmm. They can mm -hmm. be uh, low, thick shrubbery. Something to prevent a toddler from walking into a storm pond. I do think that advocating for children with autism on the autistic right. spectrum right. disorder, uh, we know uh, that, that children with autism tend to wander. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was a, a well-known study out of Columbia University that demonstrated that children with autism uh, drowned at a much higher rate than neurotypical children. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. And so for parents of autistic children uh, or for neighborhoods where autistic children live, right. uh, being aware and taking appropriate uh, protective measures, uh, precautions uh, to prevent uh, these children from wandering into bodies yeah. of water. Yeah. These are some examples of how we can advocate how in the community. people work together, yes. Claudia? So I think that advocacy can also focus on the hospitality industry, mm, which, of course, excellent. in Florida is one. It is our largest uh, industry in the state. Mm -hmm. And we initially were reaching out to hotels and such because, you know, they will tell you, well, we have a lifeguard or we just have the right. splash deck. And I think it's really this informal sector that we really need to approach, mm -hmm. the Airbnb and the VRBOs. Mm -hmm. Definitely. What I would like to see is that it becomes a filter so that when a parent is screening for which places to stay, one of the filters that is there is the safety measures mm -hmm. that have been put in mm -hmm. place to prevent a child from drowning and other safety measures as right. well. And so you could very easily find the locations that offer these safety features. Once you make it that kind of a criterion, mm -hmm. then it almost forces them all to put it in place if they want to be competitive. Right. So that would be something I would go use for advocacy. For advocacy, yes. If I could add, sure. uh, uh, data from the Child Abuse Death Review shows that 20% that of our childhood drowning fatalities occur among non-Florida residents, 80% mm -hmm. among Florida residents. Just in Orange County in 2022, there were over 70 million visitors to Orange County uh, in 2022. And so really, as uh, Claudia mentioned, 
uh, focusing on the uh, hospitality industry, yes, the tourism important. industry, getting this message out. Uh, we've done some work at uh, the local airports, mm-hmm. uh, International Airport in right. Orlando and Sanford International as well, uh, to really have messaging uh, to uh, visitors to our state, mm-hmm. many of whom may be coming from places where there is not such access mm-hmm. uh, to to water. Mm-hmm. So I, I do agree with Claudia in that focusing on the hospitality and tourism industry is, is key. Yeah, and I think it's what made this project so unique because normally a lot of the work I've done, for example, has been with parents, you know, where we've talked with parents about the layers of protection, the barriers, as we've mentioned today, but reaching out to people who put in the pools Uh, the Airbnbs, the hospitality. I think this is what makes this project so important, and hopefully it will continue for many years because we need that. And I just want to tell the uh, listeners as well that it's not just pools we worry about because, for example, infants uh, or individuals under the age of one usually drown in bathtubs. So we're talking about water in general in many cases. And then as you get older, once you get past that one to four age group, five and up, you're going to see pools, yes, but more open bodies of water as well. So we have to be cognizant, right, of of all of these prevention strategies across the lifespan. Absolutely. And uh, again, it's drowning is preventable. Uh, If the child is in or around water, Never take your eyes off of them. That's right. Never assume that someone right. else is watching them. Uh, undivided attention when mm-hmm. children are around water. But then also realizing that most drowning fatalities in kids happen when the children were not expected to be around to water. Be around so the water. barriers of protection, fences, door alarms, uh, and so on can be very effective in preventing these senseless and, and totally preventable deaths. Yes. Amadeo, any other questions? I've yes. got a question for you coming up. So. You can go ahead. I actually did have one. Uh, what have you all determined are the most effective ways to enrich adoption of environmental and equipment-related drowning prevention strategies, like pool fencing, like you mentioned, life jacket use, lifeguard supervision? And then what is the role of uh, policy and legislation to support these measures? I think that, uh, again, ensuring that people are well aware of how effective uh, barriers of protection are uh, is uh, what we focus on. Uh, Have a fence. Don't assume that just because your child has had swim classes that they won't drown. Uh, Right. uh, So really conveying that message that this can happen to anybody. That's right. This can happen to everybody. Cuts across socioeconomic Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Mm -hmm. levels. Uh, This can happen to everybody. So uh, take these precautions. Uh, The layers of protection that I had mentioned adequate barriers, uh, adequate adult supervision, uh, uh, knowing CPR, and high-quality swim classes. Uh, Really promoting these layers of protection uh, are key. With regard to legislation, uh, closing any loopholes uh, that exist uh, to placing barriers around swimming pools uh, is certainly important. I'd like to see more effort around barriers around retention ponds and storm ponds. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd, I'd like to see more uh, uh, effort directed towards local ordinances in this area. Amadeo, question for you. 
What are the feelings of students on this topic? Yours will be the generation and future generations to help make change. Where do you see your generation fitting into all of this? Uh, to be perfectly honest, I believe most of my generation, for lack of a better word, neglects due consideration mm -hmm. of drowning prevention as a priority by focusing more on systemic issues involving complexity such as mental health advocacy. Many perceive drowning prevention to be reductive and simple to educate on, when in reality, uh, there's a lot of nuance to it in the public efforts that go towards it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think people my age who have children have a vested interest and they're more cognizant and alert uh, to monitor their children. Mm -hmm. And they have a vested interest in this talk because the priority of their kids is an extension to the significance of drowning protections. Mm -hmm. What my generation has the capacity to do is simulate or convey this innate significance in a meaningful way that can resonate with a lot of demographics and connect to personal research they already do. That could be through social media as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, social mm -hmm. media. And how could you make this topic of importance to your generation? I think connecting it to uh, research that they already do, such as like efforts in my generation for um, research to prevent substance consumption mm -hmm. in areas of shared water environments because mm -hmm. uh, inhibition through substance abuse and consuming too much alcohol, binge drinking, can put people at a more vulnerable risk to fatal drownings mm -hmm. uh, due to the increased mental acuity and then increased muscle fatigue because they're not able to escape or employ proper protocols to get around adverse water conditions. Mm -hmm. Very good, and we can help do that in the activist lab, right? Certainly. Continue to get this message out. Any other questions, Amadeo, for our guests? Yes, I have one more. Okay. How are the drowning incidents and concerns varying across the U.S. Uh, compared to Florida? Is there any like nuance to consider um, in different regions? Uh, or is there different activities that are leading to these uh, incidents? As I, as I may have mentioned, uh, Florida leads the nation in, in drowning fatalities uh, among children one to four years of age. As Dr. Liller mentioned, the, the age distribution and location of drowning is consistent uh, mm -hmm. across the nation. Mm -hmm. Under one year of right. age, standing bodies of water inside the house. Mm -hmm. One to five, and again, five to nine swimming pools. Mm -hmm. uh, and then as children reach adolescence and approach adult years, standing uh, free natural bodies of water. Florida has lots of natural bodies of water. We're surrounded by water. There are lakes, there are rivers, there are oceans, and there are abundant swimming pools. So Florida is distinctive in that we are completely surrounded by water. And right. so I think we need to take extra vigilance both for our Florida residents and our visitors mm -hmm. to the state. So speaking of regions, do you know of any efforts in California, for example, or Texas or other areas? There are lots of uh, uh, water safety efforts in, in California, uh, uh, Texas, Arizona, uh -huh. uh, as there are in, in Florida. And not just for uh, child drowning, but uh, uh, adult drowning as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so yes, there are many efforts around. Uh, the National Drowning Prevention Alliance is a wonderful organization that promotes water safety nationally. So I have a question. Um, 
How are parents receiving this information, you know, or family members about these prevention strategies? As I said, I've worked for years in this area, and we've tried to come up with ways um, for individuals to take this more seriously, to understand the steps to prevention. Do you have any data or information now on how it's being received? We're still very early in the right. campaign. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, I do think that this notion that it can't happen to me mm-hmm. uh, is pervasive. And so any efforts need to really address that underlying notion that this, in fact, can happen uh, to anyone. And so we need to do a better job in promoting uh, uh, accessibility to high-quality swim classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that yes. uh, departments of health in South Florida have been very effective mm-hmm. uh, at, uh, as well as uh, making accessible uh, uh, high-quality CPR classes. Everybody should know CPR. That's right. So this is something that the community, at the community level, we can really promote uh, and make people aware of the importance of. Mm-hmm. Very good. Claudia? I was going to add that I believe the WISE do offer free swim classes. Now, I don't know if they come up to your standard for high quality, but they are available to everybody, and it's not there's not like a cost barrier in terms mm-hmm. of, of having those. But in our research, we found that parents really overestimate the abilities of their mm-hmm. children to swim Always. and to not think that just because the child has been in some swim lessons, that's it. They're safe around the pool. They still need to be watched like a hawk. Right. I think that's so important, and please, for the listeners, keep in mind, this is the summer, and there are parties and barbecues and outdoor events, and many, many times you will be with your guests or talking with someone, you'll have small children with you, and someone will say, where is so-and-so? I haven't seen my child, where is? And that can end in a tragedy. So always, always try your best to watch the children or designate someone to watch the children. I know that the state of Florida and nationally, there's been many campaigns, uh, water watchers, you know, those sorts of things. So do you want to address some of those? Yeah, and and some of the uh, material that the uh, Department of Health provides to the local CADR offices include things like water watcher Mm -hmm. lanyards. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you're wearing it, you're the adult that never takes uh, their eyes off the children. Uh, It's that concept that... Water safety is everyone's responsibility. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's one example. I do think that uh, everyone should get to know their local CADR office, Child Mm -hmm. Abuse Death Review Office, uh, where it is and how to obtain uh, this information Mm -hmm. that the state is distributing through the local CADR offices. Mm -hmm. So pediatricians, family physicians can order this material for their offices from their local CADR office. parents, uh, caregivers, uh, early childhood learning centers uh, can obtain this information. We are working closely with the Early Learning uh, Coalition of Orange County to really ensure that daycare centers, child care centers have this information, can distribute uh, this information to parents of children. This is the demographic. It's the toddlers that are attending daycare that we really want to focus on because that's who is drowning at the highest rates. Right. I was going to add, in addition to the CADR, uh, you can go and look at watersmartfl.org. 
www.thepeacekeepers.com. And there's a lot of information and materials available there. The other thing I'd ask is when you walk into a place like Pinch a Penny, ask them where their materials are. That mm, should be available good. to them. Yes. And sort of create that demand for it. Uh-huh. I want to address a couple of things. As we keep talking, I keep thinking of things to ask. And so um, what are your opinions of the alarms that are available now that people, uh, you know, obviously I'm not talking about the window or the door alarms, but other alarms you can use in the pool setting to know if someone is in the water. And also some parents use water wings and things such as that. What's your opinion, first of all, on these alarms that are available and things like water wings and things that they put on children. I think that if installed properly and maintained, mm -hmm. uh, alarms are very effective, okay. uh, a, a protective measure, mm -hmm. uh, so that if the child does uh, uh, find their way outside the home yeah. and into the pool, uh, uh, caregivers can be notified. When we review the the death scene narratives yes. uh, as we do at every child abuse death review meeting, we often find that the child you know, uh, opened a door, parents mm -hmm. weren't suspecting, and they found their way out. Alarms are very effective, again, if maintained, if installed properly, very effective yeah. uh, tools. And, and what about these floaties or water wings that parents put faith in? I, I think that uh, these these measures again the idea the recommendation is to never be right. uh, outside an arm's length mm -hmm. of the uh, caregiver in the water and to not rely on uh, these flotation devices right claudia any other information you want to provide on those because i know your team looked at a variety of measures for the prevention of drowning. There's a whole lot of new technology, even things that go to your cell phone, mm -hmm. uh, that can alert you that somebody or something is on the pool deck. Yeah. And what I'm gonna say is it's that something that is the problem, because if you have a pet, it's also gonna tell you that the pet is on the mm -hmm. pool deck. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, what ends up happening is people disable those alarms. Yes. Because they're annoying, they're going off all the time, mm -hmm. unless everybody is sort of locked up inside the house. So as Dr. Karsh said, you know, these things are great if they're always functioning and turned on, yeah. and they don't work if uh, otherwise. That's so true. We could talk forever, I think, on this topic, but I think it's just so important right now, as you said, there are so many visitors to Florida. There's so much water, so many ways that a child can find their way. And the importance of these barriers cannot be said enough. It's, it's so important to have everything we talked about, whether it's CPR, swim lessons, supervision, but those barriers, those barriers are so critical around the pool. We see children who wander into neighbors' yards. Absolutely. Neighbors who have a swimming pool who don't have children. Mm -hmm. We see this every month at our death reviews. Mm -hmm. uh, and so really being cognizant of the total environment, uh, perhaps you're a grandparent who will be hosting grandkids at your home. Mm -hmm. Perhaps you have neighborhood children uh, we do see frequently uh, children wandering into other people's backyards and drowning. Yes. So everybody, this is, again, shared responsibility of the community. Yeah. And talking about legislation, I remember when the legislation passed for the protective barriers and the fencing uh, in Florida. Those were for new pools, I believe, built 2000. Uh, the year 2000 forward, but for all individuals that have lived in homes that are older than that and have a pool, 
the legislation didn't apply. So it's very important to know and to have those barriers installed. Yes. All right. Final thoughts for our guests. And Amadeo, if you have a final thought as well, what do you want to leave the listeners with as we conclude the podcast? Well, I'm thrilled that you're, you're addressing this issue of major importance uh, here in Florida and around the country. Uh, again, drownings are preventable. So what can we do together uh, to address this issue? I think uh, uh, formats, uh, forums such as this uh, are incredibly useful, getting that message out there really just informing the public again mm-hmm. that uh, this happens, this can happen to anybody. Here are the, the primary protective measures uh, that we've talked about. Right. Adequate barriers, adequate adult supervision, knowing CPR, high quality swim classes, uh, taking measures around your home, having self-latching gates, okay, your offense with self-latching gates, spreading information to visitors uh, to our state uh, who might not be familiar with uh, 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 water uh, or have pools at their own home, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, really uh, being mindful of uh, storm ponds, uh, retention ponds, uh, and their 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 presence here in the state, uh, and special populations such as children with autism. Right. Uh, and uh, this is a great effort. Uh, uh, I know that we will uh, continue to work together with uh, USF, and I really applaud you for oh. for this. Well, thank you. Claudia. Oh, the only last thought would be if you don't know where your child is, look in the pool first. So tragic, but so important. Thank you. Amadeo. Uh, one of my thoughts was there is a lack of familiarity with proper procedures, training, and overall literacy for instances such as checking weather conditions, utilizing safety resources, and like understanding like tidal conditions if they're in a natural body of water. And I think Floridians have that advantage over people that are out of state uh, due to the frequency of water experiences that they have. And improving this educational gap through technology and social marketing is uh, very vital. Very good, thank you. Well, thank you all so much. What an important topic. The Activist Lab, please know, is here to support your efforts as we make change. So on behalf of the USF College of Public Health Activist Lab, our wonderful guests, Drs. Robert Karch and Claudia Pervanta, and our student co-host, Amadeo, we thank you for joining us. And hey, keep listening. We have more podcasts coming soon. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback. Let us know how we did by emailing us at cophactivistlab at usf.edu. Also, this is a shameless plug. We now have a Donate Now button and a QR code on our website, and we would appreciate any support you could provide. So until next time, this is Dr. Karen Liller. Remember, find your voice. Let's change it up for the better. Keep listening and join Advocation Change It Up and tell your friends and family. We're on all media, Apple, Spotify, and more. So thank you again, and hey, come see us soon in the Activist Lab.